and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Welcome to Monday Morsels, the abbreviated companion to our full-length Friday interviews. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 Knows. I think you can be confident and self-assured with humility. That was Aldous Hodge, and you're going to be hearing more from him in just a minute to celebrate Martin Luther King Day. And this is why we are so lucky to have him for this special episode. When I sat down with Aldous in the fall, I was worried that I'd only have him for about 45 minutes due to his insane schedule, but he ended up being so generous that our conversation lasted for two and a half hours. It was a great example of how this podcast has enriched my life, not just bringing about the book and all the other offshoots that I've been creating lately, the community I've been mentioning, the online courses, but this show has added to me because I now have an excuse to have deep conversations with people. Some of them I didn't know before. Others, like Aldous, I knew before we sat down. We were working together. But I get to know them on a much deeper level. By the way, speaking of the book and all the offshoots, as I always thank you for all the positive feedback. And if you're looking to buy the book or uh, you ever want to be a part of any of the offshoots that I mention, just know that there are always links in the episode show notes or at 10,000knows.com. And you can always email us at info at 10,000knows.com. But back to Aldous, this guy, I respected and liked him before that day, but we just got tighter as a result of him sharing the things that he shared. And it turned into two amazing episodes. I know that because the feedback was through the roof. One about his origin story and the other about race in America and the entertainment industry. But there was still this chunk toward the end of our two and a half hours that I felt was really good, but it just didn't fit into the flow of the other episodes. So rather than try to micromanage it, I'm just going to let it flow for you so you can hear his wisdom straight up. We thought it would be best to release it today in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. There might have been some tiny internal cuts in this. I can't fully remember because it was tied up with the post-production on the other episodes. But for the most part, this is just raw. You've already heard so many of the things we discussed that day. But here we talk about faith. We talk about apologizing for just being and taking up space and how to overcome that. We talk about success being measured by the imprint you leave on the world. And we talk about having the humility to let those around you shine their light, as well as the boldness of allowing yourself to shine your light. And when I say we talk, I mean mostly Aldous. He's dropping some serious wisdom here, as he tends to do. So enjoy, and happy MLK Day from all of us at 10,000 Knows. If ever there were someone who turned failure into opportunity, it was MLK. So, okay, here we go. I definitely have a, a firm belief in God. Um, 
ever since I was a little boy. I was uh, sort of established there um, by my mom's belief in God, but uh, I have, I'm very, very spiritual, uh, not religious, um, have, have no, uh, nothing against religion. I just, um, you know, me and my personal relationship with God is what suits me best. But were you, ra- were you brought up in any particular I, I was, <clears throat> I was brought up, uh, uh, started off as, uh, in the Christian faith, um, even went to a Christian homeschool. But um, I got to a place where I started studying other religions, and there are a lot of similarities amongst religions, which I found really quite interesting. But something that kept popping up, which was consistent, was your relationship God, with, with, with God is um, between you and God, right? So for me, what works for me is to have that and, you know, specifically between, um, God and I and just walking that because, uh, you know, with some practices, I know that, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't want to be a hypocrite and, you know, walk around saying, you know, I'm this and this, but I don't practice every little bit of it. Like yeah. I can, I don't want to be, uh, yeah, just that a hypocrite. So I know that me and my faith with God, my personal relationship with God and my understanding of God is what guided me through, some of the hardest, darkest points in my life. Um, even the moments where I was mad at God, <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, like what, bruh, what we doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I have had it out <laughs> with the Lord. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I give respect where respect is due all over, but I acknowledge my journey is a singular one. And my faith is tied in my spirituality. It's also tied to, my connection, my communication with my family, because that is where my foundation is. And, you know, a a firm belief in in sort of resonance and reciprocity. Like, I want to get back what I put out. And I think it's, I have a responsibility to myself to maintain respect um, and consideration and reverence for those around me. Not to a detriment, like I'm not, you know, gonna put my own self at risk to make to, to satisfy someone else. However, that was a personal challenge I had to, I had to overcome early in life, uh, being a people pleaser, feeling like, oh, well, you know, that, that comes with a lot of things, trying to get work or even as just, you know, a black man walking into certain environments and, you know, people perceive you a very specific way and trying to overcompensate so that, hey, guys, I'm safe. You know, um, my mom had to tell me, that when I was like 12 or 14, I got like six foot. That's when I shot up to six foot. Uh, I don't think I was my full height yet, but I, I was six foot at that point. And, you know, she was like, baby, you got to turn it around because people see you different. Like, you know, you big black man and they scared of you, you know, because you, I was real short before, before then. And I was a little scrappy because people would always come mess with me. Like I said, grew up in Jersey, a lot of fights. So when people would come up to me, I'm on guard because I'm fearing for my life. But they don't see it that way when you're a six foot black right. man. And I remember like I was walking down the street one time, this old, older white lady crossed in front of me. And then she looks back, she clutches her purse and starts walking faster. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you done made the whole situation uncomfortable. You crossed in front of me. Like, right. <laughs> you came over here. I mean, look, as a, as a child, that's a, 
that is a traumatic experience, you know, it's, a, it's because it now you feel like I got to be hyper cautious everywhere I'm at. Right. Um, as an adult, I realized I had to shave that off because it's not my job to make you feel comfortable for your cultural negligence. And plus, I get it. Like if I'm walking, I don't like people to walk directly behind me because I've been in the streets. I remember as a child in New York, cats co- tried to come up and rob my mom. And my mom said, I'll kill you straight up because um, they pushed my brother. She's like, I'll kill you. And <laughs> look, she OG. She's not playing. They knew she wasn't playing. They left her alone. A dude came up right walking past um, and they just robbed him right there ran up in his pockets you know my mom ever the instigator is like punch him punch him what you like ma can we just go you know what I'm saying telling the guy to punch (laughs) yeah yeah she's like defend yourself Um, so for me I'm always hyper aware of my surroundings and situations but so I get that aspect but also you know I came up from I lived in a very racist town or part of part of Jersey. So I experienced different things. And that happened. The old lady happened in California. But like coming from where I came from, my association with how people saw me was different. Now, as an adult, I don't care. Last year I was in I'll tell you a couple instances. I was in a restaurant. We're sitting at a communal table, me and my friend. uh, She's also black. And, you know, we're sitting there waiting for our table. Woman seat sits another couple next to us, right? So it's a white guy sitting next to me, his girlfriend across the way, she's Asian. And um, we're sitting there chilling. Everything is cool. All of a sudden, um, he had whispered to the waiter and he she gets him a chair to move over to his girlfriend, right? In my mind, I didn't pay any, I didn't care. I, like, I thought, okay, you're talking to this girl. Like, it's whatever. But then my friend, she had this look on her face of horror. She was mortified. She's like, let's go. It's like, okay, we good. She's let's go now. All right, cool. As we're walking out, I said, what happened? She said, this fool leaned over to his girl and was like, I can't believe we have to wait here. And they sat me next to this black guy. All right. What? Yeah, it's look. I mean, look. This is normal, but th- this is common. Uh, I'll tell you another instance, and 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 uh, two more instances on another occasion. And these are just microaggressions. Imagine how blown out of proportion these things can get, as we have already seen in this current current state of things. But I went into a store. There's a a, a tailor shop. I know the tailor, the guy who owns the the clothing company. I'm going in there to get my custom fitted suit. <laughs> you know, so I have on black shorts. I have on black hoodie, some sneakers, and a black hat. Walk in there. My friend who owns the store hands me a sweater. He's like, I want you to try this on, right? He's white or black? No, he's um. Or other. No, no, he's actually, he's Asian. Asian. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I pass a white guy, a white guy in his like 40s or whatever. Um, pass him. He's in the store waiting. Again, don't pay it any mind. I'm just going to do my thing. Leave me the fuck alone. Go in there. I change. I come out in the sweater. It's a very complimentary sweater. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a shirt that really complements the shape and, you know, form fitting kind of thing. It has a, you know, and this, uh, this white guy who's uh, one of the customers, he doesn't work at the store. He looks at me. He's like, Oh, that's a much better look for you. Um, okay. Thanks. You know, cause you know, you know, you were, you were, uh, you know, you're, you know, cause you know, it's great. It's great. Color, you know, cause you're intimidating cause you're black. 
I said, excuse me? You're, did, did you say I was intimidating because I'm black? And he thought about it for a second. He said, oh, no, no. What I meant was that you're intimidating because you were wearing black. You know, um, it's like, you know, like, you know, you came in looking like you're dressed in a military, you know. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking both my parents are Marines, bro. That's not that's not how to get down. But, you know, <laughs> I had shorts and a hoodie. <laughs> Not one time have I ever seen anybody in the military in uniform wearing shorts and a hoodie. You fucked up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but in my mind, I didn't even go at him because I realized this is not, you're choosing to be intimidated because you're culturally inept. That's your choice. To, to not, interpret it as yeah, intimidating. I'm not about to sit here and try to assuage your, 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 your ego or your ignorance that's not my job. So kiss my happy black ass <laughs> and, and go take that somewhere else because I'm not the one who's now introduced the discomfort and made it a, 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 a color thing you have. You didn't have to say anything about it. You didn't have to say, oh, you're intimidating because you're black. I heard you clearly. Everybody in the store heard you clearly and everybody was frozen. Like, did he just say that? Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you feel comfortable enough to say that? Why did you feel that your your opinion was important enough to say that? And why did you feel okay to say something as horrendous as that? So again, with me, in terms of the idea of people pleasing, having to always shrink who and what I am, shrink my light so that somebody else's uh, um, insecurity can shine brighter. You know, and I, and, I, and I share these stories. This is not about racism. This is about people owning their value and owning who they are in any capacity. I know in, in, in many cases, you know, I have a lot of female friends who go into spaces where they feel like they have to shrink because of how they're going to be perceived about something much like you were saying when it comes to the 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 iniquities, when it comes to to to. to pay across the board for uh, women and, you know, in executive positions, women in the workplace in general, having to speak up. Oh, if I say this, I'm going to be perceived as, yeah. you know, uh, making complaints. No, speak up, speak all the way up every time they're going to have to deal with their egos. Let them deal with the problems. That's not you. Yeah. It, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not here to, 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 to help anybody else maintain their state of ignorance because that would be me telling myself no i've dealt and struggled with not giving myself credit a lot there you know it's the guise of being humble like i was taught to be humble humility gets you in plenty of places but you can still acknowledge your your success and still be humble there are many years i haven't acknowledged that i am successful and to this to a degree, even to this point, I have to acknowledge, okay, I actually, I think recently, this is probably the first or second year that I've actually looked at myself like, all right, man, you're doing your thing. I was always afraid to, and I didn't know why. And I felt like vocalizing it might have been engaging my hubris a little bit. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with saying and it's it doesn't degree it doesn't matter the degree of the monochrome of success uh you know your definition of success is what it is right some people think it's a job that i don't think it's that i think it's the value that you put out and, and, and add to the world and add to other people's lives and can you help somebody else increase the quality of, of their life the you know 
where's your imprint? Does it leave a positive imprint? That to me is success. But, but when it comes to personal success, whatever that is for you, whether it's just getting up in the morning and doing 10 push-ups, celebrate yourself, acknowledge it, alleviating that stress adds so much more energy and value and lightness to your day. And it's something we have to practice more. So something that I'm learning to do now, I don't have it all the way down, but I'm learning to do it. Yeah. I think you can be confident and self-assured with humility. Yeah. Um, some people, when people push that ego, to me, that's not confidence at all. When they have to let everybody else around them know and they have to, to be the big boss in the room, like to me, that's like, we get it. Okay. Gotcha. We know what's going Thanks. We get it. Um, but there's a way to shine bright through humility by acknowledging your own self, but also acknowledging the, the accomplishments of others around you and celebrating others and pushing people up because it's always a team effort. Whatever goes on in this world is a team effort, you know, and you can, you can walk in your grace and still manage to, to enjoy and celebrate the fruits of your labor, even if it's internally, even if it's with, you know, because even on set, right, when you're in the, sometimes on set we don't say what we need to say or we don't feel confident enough to, uh, you know, we just basically stay in our place, stay in our zone, right? It's like, I don't want, but there are plenty of times where I've worked with people who have, you know, mag magnanimous people who have insane careers and the thing about them is a humility that gets them by that allows everybody else to be great. Working with Regina was that experience. She's so humble and she allow she doesn't come like this is Regina King. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She, she's a force and she comes to you with equal respect. And she's like, Hey, like, all right, let's work it out. Like, so, so what do you feel? What do you want to do? What, you know? And she allows you to know that you're acknowledged, you're respected and you have space to create and do your job. You know, she, she there's no sense of intimidation there. It's, it's just nurturing, which is a beautiful thing. And you have other directors, you know, working with Chinoya Chuku. Chinoya was, that was just a teammate. Like, she wrote it and directed it. This is her baby, but she's like, yo, let's make this. What do you want to do? Like, okay, cool. You got this idea, blah, blah, blah. And you're looking at these titans who maintain their positions because they understand the influence that they have, but they use it for the best measures possible. Yeah. They learn and understand and know how to use it to bring the rest of the team up, you know, um, I feel like we, you know, I, I don't personally know, know LeBron to, to a great deal. Uh, we've worked together actually before. You know, we've seen each other in passing. He's always been uh, kind to me. But I feel like we see that in his leadership when it comes to basketball. And regardless of what you feel about him as a player or, or personally or, you know, what team he's playing on or whatever, you can't deny the results. Yeah. The man's a natural born leader, you know, and I feel like to me, that's the greatest example I see from him being set every time he plays.
is the leadership. You know, he's allowing other people to shine. He's like dishing, you know, he, you can see it. Yeah. So when you have somebody like that who is going to raise up the people around them to be great, you can't lose. Thanks for listening to Monday Morsels on 10,000 Knows. Any love you can give us by spreading the word to family and friends is greatly appreciated. And be sure to check out our full-length episodes every Friday. We'll see you then. Thank you.